welcome to another tale from our Amplified Earth. This week, we tune into a broadcast from the World League of Intoxicated Automobiling, or the WLIA for short. We will hear but one account of the greatest intoxicated racer our Amplified Earth has ever known. First, we will hear what the driver, a Mr. Rudy Como, experienced during the race, followed by a Sports Center style recap of the event as a whole. May I present to you the Ballad of Rudy Como. over, but they will be back all too soon. 
my left foot is complacent. And it's stocking. The congealing sweat and carbonated heat don't seem to phase it. The right foot, however, the right foot is simply overwhelming in its eminence. Others doubt their self-worth and its presence without even realizing it. The beast can roar because of this foot. Trails have been blazed, mountains conquered, deserts trounced. Truly, this appendage has impacted an innumerable amount of people through the ages. But I wouldn't know for sure. I only guide the flow. A very small corked jar of sand from a desert the other 95% of me has never been to sits on the dash, mocking the absence of my corporeal majority. An inspiringly small, sprouted redwood burl dangles from the rear view. Lab tests indicate a new Albionese origin. The time I've spent in New Albion included no trips to Mr. Muir's woods, nor any other redwood vein. Then there is the scar. It still hurts sometimes. The 12th century, carbon-dated Mongolian arrowhead is now my necklace. The wound, being on the sole of my right foot, doesn't hurt right now. And yet, when I'm fulfilling my sworn duties as commander-in-chief, I become numb from the knee down. The pedal remains engaged. I, as vehicular president, merely guide the flow. There is only the flow. I am the only driver. 100 laps pass. I need more. The glove box is open. I didn't open it. Yes, I did. The flower buds crunch and the competition melts. I am the only driver. Another hundred laps. Another quivering mouthful of lysergic flower buds. The breeze clots and turns my hair into an anemone. Clownfish stream from the vents in the dashboard. I feel their gentle symbiosis in my follicles. My bench seat is the seafloor. Powerfully vermilion shrimp with electric rainbow accents are cleaning the area to my right. The curve in the track changes nothing. Finely tuned, 155 beats per minute, polyrhythmic drum kit destruction, awash in intricate cascades of eroding guitar, keeps my mind sharp and all the trains running on time. Another hundred laps. I yell in mistaken anger. A miniature hive greets me from the glove box. I am suddenly incredulous. An engine revs, a horn blasts, and the words, Sick Semper Tyrannus, 
climb into my machine through the roar. Another driver is making an attempt at the presidency. I yank the hive and its base from the compartment. A second misguided outburst makes the hive collide with the dashboard. A very large hornet is now liberated. The eyes are what get me. It knows how to hate me. Out of all other options, I laugh. The stinger breaks the skin on the right rear of my jaw. Having embossed his seal, the yellow fiend expires. I skip the funeral. My head is now a bullfrog's. I can see the bulbous lower lip in the rear view. Despite the weight, I can still breathe and harass. The gate opens and the track morphs. I am now overlord of the common man's road. But I assume to be onlookers bray at me at nearly every turn. My face is on their t-shirts. Why? Oh yeah. A sign says that the flow has taken me down a street called Post. Saying the word out loud makes my teeth crisp. I feel a definite finality and the sharp cut that the finishing st provides. My term in office enters the lame duck phase. Where the track was once dark absence, it now lay ill you mean. A cavalcade of refracted light establishes a route to the finish line. In the side mirrors, only a paltry reflection of sport. The false Wilkes booth has been neutralized. The home stretch. The apiary venom intensifies. The right foot is waning. The earliest traces of ant appendages are felt. A turn. A second turn. An incline. A hairpin turn exercise around Union Square. A long, drifting third turn onto Kearney. The machinery creating the flow that I merely guide continues functioning unabated. The dead hornet tumbles and rattles in the eternally empty passenger footwell. The swollen double bass drum solo, creating an avalanche from the shamelessly obese subwoofers, bolsters my bravado. The final 11 blocks before the Broadway ascent, my lower lip claps against the wheel. I can feel a plasmatic heat around my eyes. Synapse and tire rotation are superbly balanced. Brown creatures, perhaps made of clay, pour from the vents. Their red eyes seek to condemn, but I refuse. Shock! Where did he come from? Another driver beckons. How dare he? I reach to my stalwart glove box, a fistful of erythroxyl flocks. My teeth grind the grass, and unfeeling coats the maw. More prickling agony from the right foot. Not yet! My eyes claim that the person attempting to infringe on my right to the office of Commander-in-Chief is none other than Omar Slick Babatunde. 
The sweating leather bag of a man's bulbous cantaloupe foot was causing immeasurable suffering to his gas pedal. Slick Baba Tunde's sparkling green and black 1944 Leland Tiger bus drops its gauntlet with a cyclopean sneer. I accept the challenge and express my equally strong demand for satisfaction. I deploy my emergency thermos. The hot and lumpy mixture of amphetamines and psychoactive goes down like a cup of hot mice. At last, the flow is made manifest. Searing pain. My right foot is bleeding. Sharp, burning agitation burrows its way into my calcanus. Can Slick see the flow? His cracked crimson eyeballs and jeweling orifice indicate a solid, perhaps. He honks his horn. Wait, maybe he didn't. I honked with reckless impunity. The passengers riding with Slick begin to accost me. This is odd, as I was present for when Slick had the seats of the once beautiful bus torn out and large engines put in. Their words don't make sense. Just then, the degree to which Slick is simply stuffed into the driver's cab overtakes me. I am struck by the absence of free space in his cab. All nine of his cocoa-colored chins are mere nanometers from the wheel. I'm not sure if he knows, but there are two bloated pufferfish trying to pass as his eyes. The coral reef, an accompanying ocean, has sloughed off my existence and settled onto Slick's bus, displacing the babbling passengers. The flow shudders, signifying the end is nigh. My once elegant leather shoe, with its buckle so satisfyingly polished, is now corpulent with plasma. The burrowing pain has stopped but the burning weight remains. With the end so close, I must jettison all distracting interest in the oceanography taking over the attempted juggernaut that is Slick Babatunde. He inches closer. I reject his advance with prejudice. He cannot have my victory. I reject the fine I have just incurred for bumping his vehicle. I merely abide by the flow. I reject the usurper as a whole. I am the commander-in-chief. Our bumpers collide and form a shaky alliance. I lose my demeanor and lash out. My firm, outlandish repudiation of their coming together only adds to whatever Slick is experiencing. My right foot lurches from the accelerator and clamps onto the brake. I spin the wheel to the east and send myself across the victory line. Slick is beside himself. Seeing two of him makes me sick to my stomach. A force extricates me from the controls. I am floating on a sea of my people. Camera flashes. Ecotinos slithers onto my head. Now, I stand erect on a stage. A portly trophy is presented. 
and I reassure it with a kiss. Darkness is a lead blanket. I can only feel my smile. The crew chief appears. Congrats. The blanket is so warm. The screen wipes. Graphics fill the viewing area. Remixed gangsta swing step blares. The show begins. What a finish! Typically, the stoned reaper finishes all alone, but Babatunde would not go down quietly. Magnus Lewenhoek opened the trailing live broadcast of the UN Global Sports Network's coverage of the World League of Intoxicated Automobili. His blonde pompadour was famous, and his co-host made it visibly evident that she hated it. Footage rolled of Rudy Como's 1961 Eureka Landau, drenched in the glossiest black paint with neon green flame accents, drifting sideways across the finish line. The bumper had temporarily entangled itself with slick babatundes, reminding most of two stags caught alongside each other in the forest. I'd like to start by thanking the city of San Francisco for allowing the rest and its unusual format. Rosalina Montevideo gave a closed-lipped smile and nod. Her large, sharp nose drew one's eye, but her own apertures never failed to fight back. Yes, after the lap portion, things really heated up in the rally-style finish, right, Rosalina? We watched the race together, she said with a stout look of disgust for her longtime TV partner. I hate his hair. <laughs> uh, yes, we certainly did. <clears throat> Magnus cleared his throat. Uh, continuing our coverage of Rudy Como's record-shedding 14th straight win, why don't we take a look at his approved schedule of ingestments? <laughs> Let's see, what do we have here? Why, look at that, Rosalina. There's erythroxylum coca. <laughs> Tongue-tied there. Trimethyloxyphenethylamine. Oh, interesting. Lysergic acid diethylamide. Oh, Methylenedioxymethamphetamines. Now there's an interesting one. And of course, you got the usual caffeine, nicotine, tetrahydrocannabinol, et al. Oh my, Rosalina, did you notice the et al at the end of his list? I certainly did, she said as she stiffly fought his pallid gaze. Her long, straight black hair poured over her shoulders and back like a mute waterfall. Wide-eyed and revolted, she smoothly continued. I certainly did. I was not aware he had earned the privilege to mix in binding agents and flavor modifiers that may or may not improve cooperation of substances. Truly, his doctorate has been quite the boon in regards to his success in the WLIA. <sighs> what about the other drivers? Rosalina sighed, reassured herself, and made the slightest facial rejection of everything that Magnus stood for. Okay, well, there's uh, there's Chet Fescue. He wrecked at the onset of the rally portion, and uh, Magnus continued his broadcast. In the attic of his awareness, Magnus had placed in a readily accessible steamer trunk his concern regarding a recent attempt at pitching woo. The trunk's contents would tell the story of flowers and a beaming white chocolate, edible diamond dust corset sent to the new lead mass ball anchor, Orchid Incamdice. She was tall, dark, and Namibian. 
Magnus' desire made manifest. Rosalina, though, was a bit of a hater. She simply could not stand Interoffa's romance after her falling out with a key grip and his best boy. He was pulled using the jaws of life from his mangled red 1997 Ford Taurus. The clip rolled. Ooh, that looked pretty bad. Her shock was genuine. That it did, Rosalina, but I do believe the dislocated thumbs up he gave as he was loaded into the ambulance did inspire a, a modicum of hope in his fans. Another clip this time of crying fescue freaks, as they're commonly known. A dirty Rita McFarlane was really the only other driver that may have at any time threatened Rudy's lead. Magnus sucked something out of his tooth and winked as the camera cut away to corroborate his testimony. During the lap portion, they were neck and neck for a solid 200 rounds. Now, when the gates opened and the rally portion began, though, well, from the film, it looks like she was trying to light a filthy tobacco product. Ugh, gross habit. When she wrapped her 1976 Chevrolet Nova hair. around that poor, poor old oak tree. Yeah! Rosalina stormed into the broadcast. Pending toxicology, she could be liable for a botanical desecration fine. Here's what she had to say. I came round the first hairpin and... Out of habit, I tried to light my traditional rally backer when that fucking tree just came out of nowhere. Ooh, she looked pretty bad in that interview, Magnus. That she did, Rosalina. <laughs> How far the mighty have fallen, eh? <laughs> Man, I remember when she had that five-race streak only two years ago. Rosalina's eyes bulged with reminiscence. I think it's her legendary rally backo. <laughs> Filthy, awful stuff. <laughs> Tell me about it, milk toast. Next week, we'll be calling the race from old England. Rosalina pivoted to camera B. Do you think Rudy will be able to maintain his renowned balance of focus and intoxication long enough to defend his title for a record-setting 14th straight win? What about Slick Papatunde? <laughs> he came pretty close today, Rosalina. The blonde, fizzy-eyed sportscaster continued baring his hulking teeth. Uh-oh, uh, breaking news here, folks. Uh, the living legend, the stoned reaper himself, the one and only Rudy Como, has already been listed as probable for next week, pending a... What, what, what did you say, Jerry? What? Oh, oh okay. And an emergency surgery to remove a, a musket ball. Huh, a musket ball, eh? Incredulity reigned on the set. Yes? Yes. Okay. Okay, folks. Well, uh, they're, they're telling me in my ear that uh, I indeed read that bulletin correctly. Somehow, someway, Rudy Como managed to get a musket ball of some kind, hot lead there, lodged in his foot during the race. Believe it or not, folks, during the race, I didn't hear a bang. <laughs> so make of that what you will. Magnus rolled his geodesic eyeballs in obvious disbelief. You know, Magnus... Letcher! The alternate has a bevy of theories regarding Mr. Como. Rosalina was, in fact, an avid poster across several so-called lunatic fringe message boards. Besides this, she was also an extremely high-ranking member of the infamously paranoid and destructive fan club, 
Como's clones. Oh, don't start with that again, Rosalina. It it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, come on. The man is a star in a league centered on operating an automobile while intoxicated. Okay? All right? Now, I take a lethally sized grain of salt along with whatever these racing professionals say. <laughs> All right, Magnus. Whatever helps you get to sleep at night. Rosalina regarded her co-anchor in the same manner one would while engaging a child who just swore belief in the gestational abilities of Mary Toft. Up next, we turn our attention to the endless and all-consuming world of polymatic football. <laughs> 